Good evening to everyone. I'm going to tell you good night a little bit later. <laughs> um, but um, it, it, has been, it has been wonderful to, to be here. It was a good, it was a good break from, from all the other goings-on in the world um, to be around um, the brethren, to enjoy the fellowship, to just to be here and to experience the goodness of God. Um, in the land of the living. Um, like everyone else, I really like to extend my gratitude to everyone here that has really gone out of their way to you know, make us feel comfortable. Um, it is truly appreciated. And I've, I, I don't think that I could fully you know, express what I would like to, to say uh, in terms of that. You know, um, you know, Jerry, I just might not leave. <laughs> yeah, you know, but um, they have been wonderful as well and incredible, and I appreciate that. Um, and 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 not, you know, when it's hard that when you start to call names, you tend to leave people out, and I don't want to do that. So um, I really, I really, really thank everyone here, and I, I, I really believe that God would will bless your labor of love on our behalf. So, you know, it is the easiest thing um, to preach when, when you have come behind, you know, the three guys that basically have preached everything for you, and then so you just come, <laughs> so you just come and, you just come and give, you know, the conclusion and, and we can leave. <laughs> yeah, and, some people are thinking secretly, yes. <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> Some people are like, yep, that's right up my alley. You know, could really do it early night and work tomorrow, all that sort of stuff. But you'll understand what it means because if you will, and you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. When, when the preacher this morning turned to Philippians chapter 3, I thought, well, looky here. Ain't that something? And since he preached it, man, I don't, I don't have to do that much. And then, and then Brother John came and talked about worship, and then I thought, man, I don't got to preach nothing. And, <laughs> and then Brother Royce came, and then, you know, I was just about closing up my Bible and <laughs> going through the door. Um, well, Philippians chapter 3, if you will. When I was trying to decide um, between, I guess, a couple of possible messages to, to relate to us um, tonight, I was looking at a couple things. And then when I came to this passage, and I... I I looked at it, I, I did a little bit of reading in it, and I had made a note in one of the margins of my Bible that, that I thought, I can't remember when I, when I made it, but in reference to everything that was said during the week, I thought, you know what, this, this, this is the thought that could bring it all together. This is the thought that could truly 
end off the last couple of days and everything that we have heard that we can take with us, not just for the remainder of the week, not just for the remainder of the year, but truly for the remainder of our life. This is the thought that could just bring it all together and then propel us forward. So if you will... Let me read for you verse 13 and 14 and 15. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to read a couple of verses. <laughs> verse 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching unto those things which are before, and we heard about that this morning and what that means. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, let us therefore, as many as be mature, complete. Teleios is the Greek word. It's interesting, that is pretty much the same word that our Lord Jesus used when he says, it is finished, it is teleio, it is complete. Same word. Let us therefore as, men, as many be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. We heard last night about being of the same mind. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained... And that may seem a little bit wonky, or it might not be as clear as, as you would want it to be, but what Paul is saying here is that the truth that we already have, the truth that we have already attained, let us continue to walk by it, walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Notice again that community project, that concept, the let us, and then to enforce it, he says, brethren, that's the plural, brethren, be followers together of me. Notice again, be followers what? Together, not individually. That community project continues. And mark them which walk so as you have for an example, and then he, he goes on to a little aside. Notice the, the parenthesis. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destructions, whose God is their belly, their appetite, whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. Now he comes back to the point, for our conversation is in heaven. So if you read from verse 17 to verse 20, it won't, you won't miss a beat. He's continuing his thought from verse 17. So let me go back to verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me. Mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies, are our bodies of humiliation. That's what it means. Not that 
this body is something bad about it per se, but he's talking about our natural bodies, our bodies of humiliation. God will change it. We just heard about the glory that will be to come, who will change our vile bodies that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. This evening, as we will close off this week, this is, and I only read, I only read the, the, the back end of this passage, um, but the back end of this passage, just like we heard in Psalm 22, is predicated on what came before. We just heard about the first part is suffering and then the second part is glory. Well, we see something similar within this passage here. In this passage, a lot is spoken about loss and gain. A lot is spoken about winning and losing. A lot is spoken about profit and loss. If we go back to... to to the beginning of this chapter, Paul is going to lay out for us. He said, if, if anyone should have any confidence in the works of the flesh or the things concerning the flesh, that's me. If there's anyone that should boast about being able to say that I have been blameless in following the the first two-thirds of the Bible, that's me. By first two-thirds, I mean the old covenant. If there is anyone that can say that I did it, that's me. And he'd be right. And he explains why he makes that claim. He talks about his pedigree. I am not a proselyte. I didn't come over I didn't go through the ritualistic washings to get included. I was born a Hebrew. Not only was I born a Hebrew, I wasn't a half of Hebrew. I wasn't a Samaritan. Both of my parents were Hebrews. Not that not only were both of my parents Hebrew, I came from a tribe. This tribe was a royal tribe. It was the first, it was the tribe where the first king came from. Brother Lindell talk about the two Saul's. Came from Benjamin. Yeah, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrew. I was a Pharisee. I was I was of I was of that sect. Man, I had some great zeal. When it came to following the law. That's, that's what I did. I even went as far as to persecute these people they call Christians that worship this guy called Jesus Christ. I met a Jew. Um, Willis and I, uh, while, we were, while we were in St. Vincent at a particular time, St. Vincent had this medical college. And one of the lecturers and one of the missionaries that, 
that came over to teach at the school, he did, you know, just a, a little Bible study group he formed at the medical college. So every Friday, we would go over there. And one of the people that used to come was a Jew. And just, just so that you understand the mind of a Jew when it came to Jesus Christ, at least the mind of this Jew in this, in this, in this century, so whenever we sung a chorus or anything that had a name Jesus Christ, I mean that had to do with God, first he, you know, he wouldn't utter, he wouldn't utter the, the, the name God. And then when it, when it came to do anything to do with Jesus Christ, he didn't, you know, he just didn't say anything. Because his argument was that, well, you know, um, Jesus Christ was an idol. You know, because... The, the, the Shema says there's one God, right? That's what Deuteronomy 6 says. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. So his reasoning was that this Jesus Christ person, well, since Deuteronomy says there's one God, then this other person, he, well, he couldn't be God. He had to be an idol. So that was his reasoning for not accepting Jesus. And that was, you know, that was about 10 years ago I met this guy, right? So it's not so, it's not, it's not hard to understand. I mean, that might not have been the same case during the, the time of, of, of the Apostle Paul, but it could, that could help us to understand the reason behind what Paul was doing. He thought he was defending the honor of Elohim, Yehovah. So he persecuted the church. It says, touching the righteousness which is in the law, he was blameless. But here's where it gets interesting. Because then he says, and this is where the, the concept of loss and gain comes from, comes to. Because what is happening, Paul will then say that these, these works, when you add up all of these works, they lead to they lead to debris. They lead to filthiness. This morning we heard um, Brother John from the book of Chronicles talk about the people that took the filthiness, the debris out of the tabernacle. This is what Paul is doing. He says all of those works of the flesh, all of that amounted to clutter, debris, filthiness. So he says those things that I thought were gain, those things that I thought gave me an advantage in life, those things I had to reckon, an accounting term, we heard about that too this morning, those things I had to put in the debit column for all your accountants. Those things I had to reckon as loss for Christ. And I had to do that if I want to win in life. Now that's not how the natural order of things in this world works. It's not how the natural order works. Because 
the natural order of this world is you got to get every single advantage you can so that you can progress in life. So if you are at a job and you want to climb the social economic ladder, you got friends in high places, you count that as an advantage for you because that means that maybe you could get some strings pulled, maybe you could skip a couple rungs of the ladder and get to the top before even having to go through the grind of life. That's the advantage of having friends in high places. That's the way of the world. You take all the advantageous things that you have in life, you stack them up, and you say, I am going to rely on these things to get me where I need to go in life. That's why money is such a big thing in this world. Because money tends to lead to power. Power tends to lead to influence. That's why that's why the, the system of this world is the way it is. But Paul is saying the things that I counted as advantageous to my life, I had to, those things really, when I added them all up, resulted in them being filthiness. Those things which were gained to me, those things that I had counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency or the surpassing beauty of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but down. That's the filthiness that he's talking about. I had to realize that these things actually amount to clutter, debris, filthiness that I needed to Cast out in order for me, he says, to win Christ or to gain Christ. There's another verse in Philippians, if you remember, that talks about gaining Christ. Chapter 1, when it says what? For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And whenever you see those words gain and loss in the New Testament, they always are in reference to rewards. They're always in reference to rewards. For me to live is Christ, but if I die, I gain a reward. Paul is saying here that if I am to gain my reward from Christ, the things that I need, the, what I need to do then is to eradicate all of the filthiness that I have in my life, all of those things that I thought were advantageous, all of those works of the flesh, that righteousness that comes through my own works. I need to remove those things so that I can get the true righteousness, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You know, when I was listening to Brother Hollingsworth this morning, 
those things which were gained to me. And I, talked, and I thought about, you know, what came to my mind, and this morning I was listening to the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. There's a verse that goes, Were the whole realm of nature mine. The songwriter says. But then he says, but that would be a present far too small. Because he says, love so amazing, so divine, demands, notice, demands, Brother Willis, Romans chapter 12, the logical conclusion of what Christ has done demands my soul, my life, my all. And that should remind us then of Mark chapter 8, and verse 35 to verse 37. And we see the same accounting term that we're talking about. What should it profit a man? Interesting thing about Mark chapter 8, we're not talking about salvation in Mark chapter 8. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking to believers in Mark chapter 8. Jesus says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the entire realm of creation? Just to lose his own soul. Talking about spiritual suicide. Talking about gaining everything in this life just to lose in the next. Brother Royce just concluded talking about the glory that is to come afterwards. But that glory that's to come afterwards. means that there is a certain type of living that must happen before. And this is what Paul here is portraying. You look at, and chapter 3 is going to mirror chapter 2, because what do we find in chapter 2 of Philippians? We find the same concept. When Paul will talk about having the same mind, there's that collective, corporate, community project that we're talking about. Paul says, having that same mind of Christ, being found as fashion as a man, and we see the, the, the descent of our Lord Jesus Christ. Humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even death of the cross. Wherefore, God have highly exalted him. He goes down. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, being found, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of man, and then all the way down. He was God, but he became man, but not just a man, became a servant. And then God died, as it were. Our Lord Jesus Christ died. But he didn't die an ordinary death. He died a cross death, which was the worst death you could have died in that day. 
so that he could be exalted, so that the glory, so that he can inherit the glory that was ahead. Brother Royce just mentioned that. Hebrews is looking unto Jesus, who for the joy. So what is, what, what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying here, that there is a supernatural life that we have to live. Not a supernatural, but a supranatural life. Brother Hollingsworth made a statement in passing this morning, and if, 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 if you weren't listening, you would have missed it. When he talked about the life, the, the believer's life is the life of victory. The resurrected life is the life of victory. When he was referenced in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And he went to the book of Romans and he speaks about the life of the believer being a life of victory. And how many times we don't live that life. How the believer's life should be a life of victory with occasional defeats. But many of us live a life of defeat with occasional victories. And he made a statement. That our lives should be lives of victory, but many times we settle for an ordinary life. What Paul is here saying, do not settle for an ordinary life. What's an ordinary life? An ordinary life is living in this world the way the world lives. That's an ordinary life. Take all of those things that you count as advantages in this life and just like Hezekiah told the people, clear them out. Take out the debris, take out the clutter, take out the filthiness so that we will be able to live a supernatural life, an above natural life, an above ordinary life. You know, you have a lot of superheroes you know what you call them superheroes? Because they just have all the same qualities as a normal person, but they're just enhanced. That's, that's Superman, you know? Ordinary man, you know, but he just has enhanced hearing, enhanced seeing, he's stronger. He's a superman. You know what, you know what frustrates me about those, those pictures? That no matter, how, no matter how strong Superman is, somehow an ordinary man is still able to defeat him. There's always some sort of technology, you know, to contain his power. Well, that's just dumb. <laughs> to be true. That's just dumb. That's why the call to live is not, a, not to live a supernatural life per se, but a supranatural life, above the ordinary. There's a hymn that, that goes, I want to live above the world. Where Satan's darts at me are hurled. I want to live above those things. Can't reach me. Not that they want to affect me, but... They are unable to destroy me. 
Paul is here saying, there is a supernatural life to live. Do not settle for the ordinary. Don't settle for the ordinary. That's why he would say, brethren, let us all have this same mind. Let us all strive to live above the world. Let us lay aside those things that will cause us to live an ordinary life. Let us lay aside those things that we think will make us better because they wouldn't. Let us have that same mind that would cause us as a community to soar. To live above the world. You know what the amazing thing about that is? That's why I said I, I that's why I, I press towards the mark. That's why I, I strain every sinew in my body to, to strive for the finish line. That is that is that so so that is that is what it is. That is therefore verse 15 to say, as many as are mature, let us all have that mind. If you are mature. This is the mind that you are to have. The mature person will understand this concept of a supernatural life. Let us have this same mind. But if you don't have this mind, I tell you what, God, God will reveal it to you. God will reveal it to you. But if... If you don't live this way, look, what, look how Paul describes you in verse 18. In verse 17, he says, Brethren, be followers together as me. I am striving to live this supernatural life. I have laid aside all of those things that I thought were gained to me. I've laid aside all those things that I thought in this life were an advantage to me. All of those works of the flesh that after I put them into my calculator and I reckoned and I counted them, the calculator spitted out filthiness. All of those works that I added up in the credit column at the end of the fiscal year and I counted what I achieved, the balance was filthiness. I got rid of it, so, so I, well, I guess I got to get rid of that. This, this, is, this, this is what I want to do. But then it says, but if you're not of this mind, look at verse 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you, even weeping, that the people that don't live this way, notice how he describes them. He describes them as enemies of the cross. He, dis he is describing believers who do not have this mindset, who refuse to to put away those things in their life to gain Christ, those people that refuse to strive 
forward for the prize of the upward calling, he refers to these people as enemies of the cross of Christ. Why? Because they rather prefer the things of this world. He says, whose end is destruction? Or rather, whose end will come to ruin? That's what the word means. They love their belly. They love to, I mean, I love to eat. <laughs> but it's not the same thing here. Their appetites, he's talking about their appetites. Their appetites for the things of this world, not just food. Their appetites is what drives them. And instead of having the glory of God, they glory in their own shame. And guess what? And they mind what? Earthly things. Paul will tell us in Corinthians, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where? Where Christ sitteth on the right hand. Why? Because as Brother Royce says, there's glory coming. There's glory coming. There's a kingdom coming. And God will change this body of humiliation. It's what it is. This body of humiliation. This body that, that is corrupted that will fall off, that will wrinkle, that will tear, that will grow old, that will get fat, and all those other things, that will break. Body of humiliation. God will change it and fashion it like unto his own, his glorious body. And this is done through the same power that will see him being crowned as king. This is what it says. Because it says, it says according to the working whereby he is even able to what? Subdue. He's, he is able to bring everything under his feet. This is the same power that would cause him to be crowned king is the same power that will transform us. That will cause us to be glorified. But there's a certain life that has to be lived. He says, cast off the ordinary. Let us not settle for ordinary. That's it. Let's not settle for ordinary. There's a supernatural life to live. There's an above natural life to live. There's an above the norm. The ability to live above the world. That's what the Apostle Paul here is saying. And that's the life 
that I am striving to live, Paul says. That's the life I am striving to grasp hold of because I want to be able to attain that upward calling. And if you have the same mind as me, if you, if you believe like me, if you, if you think like me, then this, is, this, is, this will be your desire as well. That's why we ought to walk, Paul says, by the same rule. Let's mind the same thing so that all of us may be able to attain that glory that is to come. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, help us to live above this world. Give us the strength and the endurance, Father. Father, not just the endurance, but the foresight that we may be able to look beyond our present situation to the glory that will be revealed in us. But as, as we heard previously, it, it's something that is beyond our scope of reasoning and understanding, but it's there to be God. Help us always to live with eternity in view. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.